Hello. Hey, John. How you doing? Pretty good. Oh, man. Good to see you. How you been? I've been doing great, my friend. Uh, yeah, you know, a little busy with stuff, but that's the norm, I think, these days. How about you? Yeah, man. Everything's good. Yeah, same. Likewise. Busy. But it's a kind of good kind of busy. So I can't complain. I'm still alive. All righty. What do you want to talk about today? Yeah, well, you mentioned Bluebird by Bukowski, and I thought that the, the effects of and we just talking about like the effects of um, emotional suppression in boys, you know, and it, and how it makes, well, you know, how we develop because of the situation, uh, the environment, and it's a social and, you know, even a home one. But yeah, I think that that would be a really interesting topic to look in like, yeah, uh, emotional intelligence and in males and suppression and maybe like how it affects them and why are we, why are we actually, why do boys tend to suppress their emotions and how does it affect them? So yeah, what do you think? Yeah, man, that sounds good. All right. Well, how about we get into it then? Um, I'm going to just Google like a quick summary of Charles, Charles Bukowski. And I'll, I'll ask you what you know, like just maybe maybe you can add to it. But Charles Bukowski, born in 1920, died in 1994, German-born American poet, novelist, short story writer. And I'm using ChatGPT here. He says, it says he became known for his rural and gritty portrayals of urban life often focusing on the experiences of those living on the fringes of society. I like that because I think that's really true. Um, Bukowski's yeah. work is characterized by a straightforward and often con confrontational writing style, exploring themes as, such as poverty, alcoholism, relationships, and the struggles of everyday life. Uh, it says stuff like he got an occult following. I just, you know, if I was going to talk about Bukowski, you know, what comes to my mind is he was just a, he had a really rough childhood. I think his dad was really abusive and his dad was an alcoholic. He became an alcoholic. Um, you know, he just had, he worked in a lot of really menial type jobs, shitty jobs, low wage, lots of, um, lots of suffering. I think lots of trauma that he had from childhood. He never really got rid of. Uh, and I think he just tried to deal, deal with that pain through, through alcohol as a way of self-medication. And perhaps, you know, I think underneath that, uh, he was a really sensitive soul. And I think he saw a lot of the pain and suffering within society and felt it firsthand. I think he was really aware of the corruption um, and the, the shitty parts of humanity and uh, probably rejected a lot of it. You know, I heard a quote from him saying that all he wanted to do was just go into basically a, uh, he just wanted to make enough money to go into a room and just drink himself to death. That's pretty much what he wanted to do. But I think underneath that, was a man that was really suffering and he was really bad with women until I think he became famous. Um, a friend of mine once said he was obsessed with his legs. You know, he was, he thought his legs were like his, uh, his sexy parts that he wanted to show to women. It's, it's kind of weird. I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you gotta um, love yeah. I should say as well that, you know, cause I think it needs to be said is that Bukowski is also gets a lot of flack and probably rightfully so from women because he comes across as really misogynistic. Uh, but I think to be fair to him as well, I think that changes over time. But yeah, I think he, the way that he deals with women through, you know, I think it's a bit of immaturity. He's quite, um, yeah, he can be quite condescending. You know, he's seen as women are seen as like such sexual objects. And, um, and I think a lot of women, I imagine, I'm not sure, but a lot of women, my guess would be a lot of women don't like his 
you know, his gritty, raw, kind of blunt, you know, style of writing because he, he can be very, um, it can be very misogynistic. What do you know about Bukowski? Like, have you, did you read any in high school? Did you ever come across Bukowski at school or university? Or did you, did you ever get into Bukowski um, in your studies or just in, as you grew up or, or whatever? <laughs> um, you know, unfortunately, no. And I think the, I, I mean, I definitely came across him. I definitely, I think my sister once recommended me, her, him to me. Uh, my sister has always been really deep in education. So she's kind of like pointed out texts that I should read. And most of them stick and nail hard. Like, um, you know, Tom Robbins, Sherman Alexi. Um, I, no, I'm not Sherman Alexi, but Tom Robbins and even bands like Rusted Root. She just had this little impact on me. But she did recommend Bukowski. And I think I read like two of his. And I did you know, just wasn't for me. And this was before I started really appreciating poetry and actually studying it um, for my, you know, degree at university. Um, but yeah, I, I read him. And to be honest, when I read him, I guess I wasn't ready for him. But I think that's true with a lot of different poetry, a lot of different music, a lot of different stories. You know, we're not always ready for them when we first encounter them. And we can come up with like maybe the wrong impression, right, of them. Um, and then if you're lucky enough to stumble upon the same thing later in life, it really hits you in a different way. And it's, it's, it's powerful, you know, and it's moving. And, and I, I, I do take an interest to him now. Um, we're going to read this. You're going to read us bluebird, right? Yeah. Yeah, sure. And, but before so, we like, do that, I want to ask you, do, do you feel like you weren't able to connect with Bukowski because you had a different philosophy of, you know, a different viewpoint. Cause I kind of feel like that, that sometimes if I read him now, I have less of a connection an emotional connection to previously. Was it like that? Or you just felt like you didn't like his style and diction and the way that he produced his art. Um, You know, I guess I just, I don't know. I, I think that mostly it was like the content mm -hmm. and like it's some of it, even though, yeah, some of it seemed Crass might not be the right word, but um, I don't think it's the right word, but like that I'm looking for the exact word, but it's his tone, right? His tone pushed me away a little bit. It was kind of somber. It's always quite depressing. Um, a lot of it that I've, the ones I've encountered have been kind of depressing. And, you know, it's interesting. I'll open up a little bit and see, uh, share what I personally could attribute that to was the fact that when I was young, possibly I was like, fighting my own sensitivities and my own, you know, uh, you know, maybe I like feared emotion at the time. And so like, I just would rather not hear it. You know, that was the oh, way it was. Okay. I try to, I, you get what I'm saying? I would try to, I'm just speculating in a reflective manner on why it's not a fact, but it's definitely what I think. Um, why? Cause you asked me why I might not have been turned on to that or interested in it when I was that age. And like I said, my first response was that it was the tone. It was kind of like a lot of his stuff from, it was kind of depressing. The, the stuff that I saw, right. That was recommended to me by my sister. Um, and I think I just put it down right away. Um, yeah. I think that's a great, it could have been great. like, it could be like some young men at that or at my age, some of us don't really want that kind of content because we're dealing with our own issues. You know, maybe we, we have enough emotional, uh, curiosity and uh f fear <laughs> when we're young when we're young men 
Um, so I think that's, yeah. So that's my answer to your question. Um, why maybe, but yeah. now I, I, I am glad we're doing this. Um, I like this bluebird um, poem. We don't need to start it yet, but I do like it. I think it touches on some really important stuff. Um, well, it's just a voice given to an issue that is much, much bigger. And it's, uh, you know, I think that in a sense, it's kind of a, a disease, not like a, you know, disease in, in the sense of the, the definition, like discomfort. Okay. Like, uh, that men have to go through, like a lot of men go through, you know what I mean? And, uh, this, this, this inability, um, to like maybe open up, like I said, when I was young, I didn't want to really even address i didn't want to hear that kind of crap but now i know it's so real you know being a teacher seeing it among students and also my own personal experiences which were probably more than enough <laughs> yeah that's a great point so if something hits a nerve and it's it's personal and it it's it's works like a mirror that and if you're not ready to explore there and and be ready to look where it's reflecting you then yeah i think you're going to probably push it away but as you, I think the other reason why Bukowski maybe rubs people the wrong way, maybe he's a bit fatalist, you know, he's a bit nihilist. You know, it's it, I haven't really heard Bukowski talk about um, any glory or benefits or you know anything really beautiful in society. It's it's a lot of kind of it's I don't want to say doom and gloom, but it's it is very fatalist, kind of like humanity's doomed or people are, you know, people are just shit. Uh, yeah. you know, you get that kind of impression too. And if you're, if you're a bit, if you're not a nihilist or a fatalist or, you know, you might be deterred by that. But, um, I think the bigger point is what you mentioned is that there is, there is something that he's able to resonate within people like that capturing the spirit of, of maybe either the darker side of our humanity or some of the gritty, um, pain and suffering and giving it a voice and, and even just acknowledging it. Uh, within ourselves and maybe um, giving us again a mirror so we can explore it. So yeah, I think that's a great point. You know, maybe hitting a nerve is sometimes we're not always ready to to explore that pain if it's reflecting uh, some some kind of trauma or pain within ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and uh, it's kind of interesting. This just popped into my head, and so I'm just um, sharing these as they come. But like. I, my sister, I remember my sister a long time ago, we were doing a road trip. We we're going from Anchorage up to, I think, Palmer, Wasilla to go see uh, kind of our stepsister, um, Helena. And uh, I remember, I don't know what I was complaining about or who I was complaining about. I don't even remember. But what I remember was my sister saying to me that oftentimes people dislike in others the qualities that they have themselves. Right. And so I just thought, I mean, I think that's an old, like an ancient quote. Right. But like, but my sister is the one that kind of put it on me and I've never forgotten it since, you know, and it's always stuck with me. Um, and maybe that's another reason, like some people don't like Bukowski at some point, you know, is maybe that it's, it resonates too close to home, you know, and um, I just think I just thought that was an interesting idea, an interesting concept that maybe people like myself that didn't initially like him we're kind of like ah, i don't want to hear this kind of this kind of you know nonsense or this cynicism or this uh you know whatever narcissism whatever he was doing at the time and really maybe that's partially because it was too close to home it was yeah. something that maybe i possessed you know who knows that's a great point well i like bukowski now um yeah. you, you yeah, want to no, read he's, he's pretty great yeah i like I think... him a lot. 
I think he's got I think he's got something to say. Uh, do you want to read it or should I read it? Oh, dude, today I think you should read it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no worries. Here we go. Bluebird by Charles Bukowski. There's a bluebird in my heart that wants to get out, but I'm too tough for him. I say, stay in there. I'm not going to let anybody see you. There's a bluebird in my heart that wants to get out, but I pour whiskey on him and inhale cigarette smoke. And the whores and the bartenders and the grocery clerks never know that he's in there. There's a bluebird in my heart that wants to get out, but I'm too tough for him. I say, stay down. Do you want to mess me up? Do you want to screw up the works? Do you want to blow my book sales in Europe? There's a bluebird in my heart that wants to get out, but I'm too clever. I only let him get out at night sometimes when everybody's asleep. I say, I know that you're there, so don't be sad. Then I put him back, but he's singing a little in there. I haven't quite let him die, and we sleep together like that with our secret pact. And it's nice enough to, to make a man weep, but I don't, I don't weep. Do you? Have you studied enjambment? Yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, a long time ago, but yes, definitely. I know he's using enjambment quite quite well, actually, here. And in fact, I think that's one of the things he's famous for, um, is his use of enjambment. I know, um, yeah, I know that he, that's one thing. Um, I, I did want to talk earlier i just want to really quick go back to his early life you said he you thought he had a, a tough life and i mean you can see it in this poem but you know his life was according to well this might be kind of cheesy but uh encyclopedia.com uh his childhood was a living nightmare mm, and so yeah. his father beat him with razor strop and he was teased and bullied by his classmates right obviously he if you're beaten by your father like he was, which is really sad and unfortunate, but these things, these terrible things happen, um, you probably become a an awkward child, right? You're you're awkward. You're you're probably closed down. You're probably scared people are going to find out, so you act weird. And so, what's the result of that? Bullying, right? We get bullied, um, and that's really unfortunate. And it just really affected this guy. And you know. Yeah, this poem is wonderful, dude. I love it. I can't wait till we get into some of the little um, images he uses in the word choice. Yeah, for those that don't know about enjambment, it's just when sentences don't continue and they just it breaks off and then continues on the other line. And the reason why I mention it <clears throat> is because it makes the poem, you know, it sometimes slows it down, speeds it up. Um, it can create this kind of disconnected or just disjointed feeling. Um, it can create a feeling like you're falling or create engagement. It's it's an interesting technique, but you know, going back to and that's why it just feels a little bit weird to to read. But um, you know, maybe that's it's kind of part of it connecting to the awkwardness of his his childhood. And you know, was he beat with um, cables uh, from memory? Like I know that he had he had really acne and he was bullied because he had really bad acne. And um, you know, I think he was a he was an immigrant kid, you know, as well. So, but yeah, I, I remember that his dad beat him and that's, um, that's going to leave you with some terrible trauma. Right. And I think maybe that's what you're picking up here. It feels like, um, there's this pain and suffering. Is that what you mean when you, you feel the poem? Um, well, you know, it's interesting because the, the, the tone of the poem isn't sad. 
Do you notice that? And I, this is like, I feel this is really intentional um, because of the use of enjambment, right? You can break up your, uh, the, the momentum. So enjambment to me, um, well, what, from what I know, creates rhythm, but it also creates dissonance, right? Um, uncertainty, discomfort, and that's kind of intentional. And you use it for two reasons. One would be rhythm, right? To create some sort of tempo or rhythm within uh, your, your, your work. Um, but another one is to put emphasis on specific uh, words or phrases, right? Mm. And I think he does that here but not all the way through, but he does do it to make emphasis on um, specific uh, ideas and images, et cetera. Um, but yeah, back to Bukowski. Uh, yeah, man, he was, from what I know, so he was whipped with razor strops. So that's not a ra like blade, I don't believe, but it's like the, the cover of what you put a razor in. Um, and we're, it's the old razors, right? Not today's razors that we see. It's like the okay. old like, knife blades, switch blades, uh, type of razor. And, uh, yeah, he was just beaten with that. And yeah, I'm sure all, you know, the person that's supposed to love you and teach you how to be a boy and a man, or, or at least be there for you while you're becoming it, uh, is, is the biggest bully. I mean, that's fucked up, you know? So he was probably truly depressed and stressed and, just in deep sadness, which led to a chemical imbalance to the acne, which eventually got him bullied, you know? So it's like, it's really a kind of a sad, but that gives us, it's important to know the author, right? It's important to know something about who we're reading and where, where why they're saying what they say, you know, because like I said earlier in this podcast, you know, sometimes we're not ready uh, for anything, for an experience. And mm -hmm it's through life experience that we become more prepared for all these things and actually builds more appreciation. Right. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, yeah, man, this, uh, I agree with ahead. you about the enjambment. It's, it sort of focuses, it's, it creates like this break and then there's, it creates emphasis on certain sentences, sentences and certain words, like cigarette smoke and the whores and the bartenders kind of forces you to pause a little bit. Um, what do you think, what do you think the bluebird is to you? There's a bluebird in my heart that wants to get out, but I'm too tough for him. What does that bluebird symbolize for you? Um, well, just the the need for birds to fly, and then I would say the color. The color, well, we all know blue um, has well, it's an emotion, right? It can be calming, but it can also be this sense of sadness. Kind of a, um, I'm at a loss for words. Um, yeah, it, it, it can be, it just represents, you know, the blues, you know, I'm feeling blue, you know, it's it's kind of a sadness, it's an emotional sadness, and it might not be like a, a pain, but so I think it's this bird represents, you know, this, this desire for this sadness to fly away, um, but that you can't let go of, so that's why he's kind of caged in his heart, right, the bird's caged in his heart, but Sorry, simply said to respond to you, the bluebird, well, birds fly. This is how I would do it. And they're meant to be free and they're meant to see from afar. Blue represents the emotions, right? It's the emotions and it could be, it can be sadness typically. And yeah, um, I, I that probably... would be it. And then it's caged in his heart. So it's locked in there and uh, he can't let it go. Go ahead. Yeah, I think I would add to that as well that maybe it's uh, a sense of vulnerability and innocence and purity you know he's got this he's got this bird maybe representing some of these uh, painful emotions 
uh, but also, you know, also this purity and and innocence that it's kind of like he's I'm too tough for him. I don't want anyone to see this innocence and purity and and maybe it's the maybe connecting to what you're saying. It's literally the you know eight year old version of himself, the eight year old child in his heart that hasn't matured because he wasn't allowed to it wasn't given given a space to mature and this bluebird is that you know that that young child within himself that um is kind of trapped in there and then the way that he's self-medicating is through alcohol is through cigarettes is through prostitutes um you know is through maintaining a certain reputation and 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 image um it, it could be that as well yeah think? and i just i just um was doing a little research and uh there's some really good insights on the symbolism of a bluebird and it represents happiness usually spiritual meaning spiritual awakening mm. happiness success fortune uh so you see this i see this across various sources in, in fact like six or seven are talking so it seems to be pretty agreed upon that it's a symbol of happiness um, success, spiritual awakening. And that's really interesting if you use that. Um, different than what I was thinking with the emotional sadness and keeping the sadness in is what I was thinking. So keeping the sadness within his heart and not letting it out. But actually, this is the happiness. So if we look at it from a state of happiness, is that he always knew, right, that he could be happy if he just opened up his heart right? Because that's where the bird's caged in his mm -hmm. heart. If he opened his heart and let his success and happiness come out, but he was too vulnerable, uh, maybe. So that's interesting. You know, it's, it's easy to read these things and not to take those things very, like, seriously. But I do believe poets in their dark rooms and with their, you know, pens to pad, scratching their heads, smoking cigarettes and drinking whiskey in Bukowski's case. Uh, mm -hmm. I think they choose their words very, very, like every word, every single word is chosen. Okay. And I believe he chose this bird and I believe he knows about it because this is a, comes from Europe, right? It's a European, all these is talking about like, that's the interpretation. And of course, Americans are, well, we come from Europeans. So we have a lot of the same values and ideas and concepts and beliefs um and symbolisms for that matter so i think that he chose this bird and so maybe he realized that he had some sort of happiness that he knew that he would be more successful in relationships right because we've got the horrors and the bartenders which represent this lack of relationships if you think about it we can get back into that um in a minute but it definitely to me symbolizes lack of personal healthy relationships like prostitutes and drinking well, yeah and the bartenders those are the people and the clerks yeah. at the store these are the people he talks about he doesn't talk about his family he doesn't talk about his friends mm. look at who that's he focuses point. on so yeah, this is like who is he actually interacting with yeah yeah and so he he maybe that happiness is real relationships but he knows he can't do it for for whatever sad reason he can't and so <laughs> those are the people he sees in his life not his son's face, right? Like you and I, I'm sure our sons would enter our poetry regularly. Or our sons as in sons and daughters, you know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can't, you kind of have a son. You actually do, but I you have know. a stepson, yeah. That's true. Yeah, yeah. 
So yeah, I agree, man. And the, the whores and the butt, like uh, it's something here uh, about not letting out either vulnerability or not letting your heart speak to you and then not dealing with, you know, for me, sometimes there's, in all of us, I feel like there's a certain amount of trauma, you know, uh, no one has a perfect upbringing, everyone, you know, especially, you know, if you, there's, if there's been waves of consciousness and awakening to parents and, you know, but I think now is every, every generation has its, has its challenges. Uh, but I think everyone's got a little bit of trauma at some level. And I think it's, it's there within you. And if it's really hard to find it, sit with that space, deal with it, talk to it, you know, go through this cathartic journey of healing and be able to let it go. And I think most of us are carrying it around with us and we, we don't, we're never able to free ourselves from it and it stops us. It limit limits us a little bit, or we, we react to it differently, but you know, maybe if the bluebird is this sense of happiness and he's, he's uh, self-medicating with whiskey and prostitutes and cigarettes, and uh, it's kind of like, he's got this pain and then that's, that's blanketing the, the bird blanketing the happiness. And he's just medicating himself trying to feel better uh so that the the bird and the pain um stays where he wants it to stay and that's buried and i think yeah that's- and he's buried it he's buried it like quite intentionally mm-hmm. um and i feel like it's burying to use the metaphor of death um this is just coming from me uh look at the way he says it right so he has this he has this bird, bluebird in his heart that it wants to get out it wants to get out, right? Mm, it to express wants itself. To. I mean, that's the verb right there. It wants to. So it needs to get out and express itself. But look at what he does. He enslaves it. I shouldn't say slave, but he cages it, right? And he pours whiskey on him. Okay, so now it's the happiness that he's pouring the whiskey on. He doesn't say, notice he doesn't say, drinking whiskey and smoking cigarettes i sat at the bar and fucked hookers you know he didn't say that (laughs) i'm trying to stop swearing man but sometimes you've just got to throw it out there uh yeah you know he pours whiskey on him and inhales cigarette this is like intentional toxification poisoning isn't it not is it not i mean the way he, he doesn't say smoke he's inhale that's a pretty strong verb for you know, this, this thing that wants to get out and you just smother it in smoke and booze, right? And both of those are very toxic and poisonous, um, well, things, for lack of a better word, things, right, in our lives. But it does help suppress. Yeah, what do you I, I, yeah I agree. It's like very intentional word choice. Um, and then interesting as well he says he wants to get out but i'm sorry buddy sorry i just got to go back to enjambment look at the enjambment in that line Mm. and inhale in where smoke right okay Uh, yep stanza two stanza two third line yep but i pour whiskey on him and inhale okay so this is it stops there you don't have to stop but then it says cigarette smoke on the other line but inhale the verb is emphasized i'm taking in by choice mm. you know what yeah, i'm saying that's, that's good i like that uh and he's just he's purposely oppressing either oppressing the emotion or oppressing whether it's happiness or purity or or trauma and then 
Also, it's interesting as well. He says, you know, he says, but I'm too clever. I only let him out at night sometimes when everybody's asleep. Like, what is he letting out? Is he letting out the, the, the happiness or the vulnerability? Maybe, you know, I can imagine Bukowski sitting back and, you know, he's, he's drinking at wheel or like earlier hours in the morning and he's feeling all these intense emotions when no one else is around. Um, and I say, I know that you're there, so don't be sad. And then I put him back. Yeah. So recognize, you know, the recognition of that, of those emotions and then putting back, but he's singing a little in there. <laughs> and then I haven't quite let him die. Maybe that's also a bit of a representation of his humanity and some of the pain, you know, like holding onto it and not being numb from it. Because to me, if, if the bird died, then it would be just, he would be, he would lose a bit of his humanity and he would just become um, numb uh, with our secret pact. Yeah, so yeah. I haven't let him die. We sleep together like that with our secret pact. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, so it's interesting. He's kind of painting it as he has a relationship with his own being, his inner being. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and the bluebird, you know, like I said, in Europe, it represents happiness a lot. But in America, we use blue, feeling blue to represent sorrow and sadness. And so it's interesting. Um, you have to maybe we got to look at both of them for i would say we have to look at both of them um <clears throat> but yeah he's too tough for him right so the his, his ego let's call it his ego uh is domineering and it and it, it it doesn't want to let this thing escape and i would say that's due to vulnerability he doesn't want to be viewed as weak um but he knows he is and that's the secret that he has with his his uh, true spirit, if you will. Okay, so we have the ego and the spirit, and the ego is the tough guy, right? It's the one that is in control. It's the one that asserts power and you know inflicts pain or whatever. Um, but there's the other side of him, which is so important because he doesn't let it go. Every night he sleeps with it, right? And and he actually takes him out sometimes. So what does that mean to take the bird out? Um, maybe that he just acknowledges that that is his true self, but there's a disconnect or is he even drunk? Is he so drunk that he, he just breaks down and cries, right? Like we don't know, but this is a pretty important line if you ask me. Um, because he's, sh he's showing he's ex he's consciously exerting force over this bird. And I, you know, and that bird is his, I believe, his inner being, his, you know, part of his spirit. It's his emotions, right? His, his true emotions. And so I think that's really important to look at. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, that's a but, great point about the consciously controlling and domineering with the ego and, and maybe the ego versus the spirituality or ego versus the mind versus the soul or the emotions. Yeah, I think that's a strong point. I have this vision that he's literally, you know, when he he's taking the bird out, like he's he's in, in like fully engrossed by those um, emotions of vulnerability and and purity and innocence and, and pain and suffering that the trauma has, you know, he's he's literally living the trauma, but like you can only infer right well that's um, how he manages it right he doesn't know how to manage it so he just mm -hmm. keeps it 
restrained and he, he maybe to some extent he's confused by it right like uh, i don't see any sense of a confusion in here that was just me adding that in so um but yeah you know it's 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 a pretty complex poem the more i read it right i i think it's really interesting how he asks his let's call it his inner being, whatever, or the bird, let's just call it the bird. He asked the bird, do you want to mess me up? And this is where it gets really ironic, right? Uh, you want to screw up the works? You want to blow my book sales in Europe? <laughs> it's pretty funny because he's American, right? And he's talking about his book sales in Europe. And that just goes to show you, I feel like that's the second thing we come across of him being showing us that his relationships aren't real. They're so far away, right? Like bartenders, clerks, and whores. And then we have like his book sales in Europe. Like, is he lost, right? Doesn't, doesn't that give you a sense of like loss? But I, I understand, like, let me give a quick history of Bukowski is yes, he was more famous. In fact, he's never been like really recognized as an American mainstream voice, but in Europe he is. So but it's interesting, right? He's an American. And so was he shunned by his own people, like his father, like the Americans? Did they reject him? Is he dealing with rejection, right? The bird's being rejected. I mean, the bird's being, it's being rejected its freedom. It's not allowed to be free, even though it wants to get out, because that's exactly what Bukowski says. But he keeps it uh, tied back. So quite interesting what do you think about that why do you think he why do you think he's talking about i mean or how do those i mean everything's chosen so how does the clerks the bartenders the whores and then also i want to think about this concept of the importance of european sales versus his own peoples right what could yeah, i think mean? that rejection point is a great there, there it seems to be an undercount of that that's something i didn't pick up on but i like that and as you said you can see it in, in the type of relationships that he mentions because there's no um, and there's no real loving connections with family or a partner or even friends. And maybe he was rejected or for, from what I read, I, I don't know if he was rejected in his art and literature in the United States, but maybe it just didn't resonate with people at the time or he didn't have the exposure or the, uh, or the contact. Uh, and then it, it resonated with people more in Europe. But I think that disconnect that you bring that you mentioned is really powerful because like you said it's it's if you're living through prostitutes uh it probably means that you haven't established good relationships with women and then so that's that's his way of either um sexual pleasure or intimacy let's let's i think that's better is intimacy uh, and love because really sex should be something that's intimate and and done with an open heart and done with love. Um, so there's there's none of that. And then, you know, as you say that the bartenders, they're, they're his buddies, you know, and then they're the people that he yeah, connects with. You don't with. see any of his friends around. He's mm. all alone, right? He's mm. all alone, whether it's in his apartment or if it's at the grocery store. He's, his emphasis on person is the, the, the worker, the paid hand, right? It's not somebody else a real relationship there's no real relationships here and i just find that i do you feel think, like it's, it's important what do you think his his image 
that he's created for himself at this stage. I think this poem was written a bit later in his career uh, when he was a bit more successful, obviously. But what do you think the image that that he had for himself as an artist was at this point? You know, that's a, a good question. But I believe he knew he had some successes, right? Mm. Uh, and because of Europe, right? He has book sales going on in Europe. Um, but they're not the successes he actually dreamed of. I think he was hoping to connect with people closer to him. But he's incapable of doing that, right? And he knew it. And perhaps we can turn the bluebird back into happiness um, for the European sake. Um, he knows where his happiness lies. He knows where it's at. Yet for some reason, he cannot let the bird go. He cannot release that bird, even though the desire is there to be released, uh, right? So I believe this could be him acknowledging his own like capacity, but also incapacity. And I think this is because he's broken. He's struggling within himself, right? So this is like a self-fighting self, um, which is like an probably one of the worst. Yeah, yeah it's an conflict. inner conflict. It's one of the worst types of fights you can have is conflicting with yourself. But he tells us he's aware of it. I'm aware of it. And it's and look at him. And he he I love the way he ends the poem, right? But look at him. He's he's so childish. Look at how he ends the poem. And I know I also believe this is intentional, talking about his inner child, right? He can't, there's something hurting him from his childhood that he's not willing to confront. So he's the last line, we'll jump around here, but the last line, right? He's he's painting this picture of him like happily enjoying the company of the bluebird at night and they're sleeping together and hanging out and it's I, sleeping together is not sexual in any way. I would not, I think the horror is the only representation of sex in this poem. Um, but they sleep together. They have a good relationship. It's, they are still friends, but they're at odds. They're at odds. And then the way he ends it is awesome. And he says, our secret pact, and it's nice enough to make a man weep, but I don't weep, do you? Right? So I think this is like him showing us his inner child right there. I didn't do it, did you? Right? Like, I mean, we don't usually, adults generally, I feel they shouldn't talk like that, right? Like, well, I'm this, are you? Right? It's like putting the, making the other person you're forcing the other person to like talk about something that they probably didn't even want to talk about. Right. Like, it's just like, yeah. And so yeah, it's, it's confrontational. It, yeah, it's it is confrontational. Yeah. It, it ends with confrontation and that might be our key to this. One of our keys to this poem is because maybe his relationships, right. Maybe he's too confrontational. Maybe he's been behaving like, childish because he's well if he's an alcoholic which he was you never fully develop your your psycho psychology your your um emotional you never, maturity you don't mature yeah your emotional maturity does not develop and so you continue to be that childish person you may look on the outside to the clerks and the people around you that you're okay nobody knows that you're broken nobody can see that you're broken um <laughs> 
but that you are. And yeah, I believe this is actually super important. This line, actually, I just saw it now. I didn't see it before. Um, but he's being childish and confrontational. And then we see the relationships. Uh, and maybe that's why he doesn't have real relationships because he's too confrontational. He's too, con he fights too much. I, I like the word that you used before, which was ego, you know, because I feel like he's got this ego. And he says, it's nice enough to make a man weep. And I feel like from that part, it's vulnerability. He's the, the blue bird and vulnerability and the innocence and he's reawakening with the trauma. And then he's, he's connecting with that humanity. And then, but I don't weep is the ego that you mentioned of like, yeah, but I don't, I don't let it take control. And that was a, another great point too, that you made in the sense of I'm domineering. I don't, I, don't, I tell the bird what to do. The bird doesn't tell me what to do. And then he yeah. says, do you weep? Like, do, do you let the bird, um, do you let the bird take control? And I, I think about that and, you know, I can relate to that a lot as a, as a man, um, but to going back to my question about, you know, the, his reputation and you know, the image that he has, but when he's got, he's got here, I don't weep. He, he, I think he was at this stage, maybe like this bohemian artist that was despondent, um, that was kind of like almost abysmal, you know, really um, cynical and lost a lot of faith in hum humanity and, and, and capitalism. Uh, cynicism is the word that you used. I think that's a good one. You know, so maybe a little bit, maybe not as nihilistic. I don't know, but you know, people probably saw him as that, and they didn't want to see him as this optimistic or emotional, um, you know, optimist, emotionally optimistic character. And maybe that would have um, been in contract uh, or, or, or been in conflict with the ideas of what he was, his image at the time of being that type of bohemian. But maybe that was a part of it and that was the ego and and being this type of poet you know and he was just like yeah you know fuck the world this is how it is and you know it's it's this somber kind of tone underneath it a bit uh but when he when he says but i don't weep do you i think that's when it's interesting because it's like you know i don't let it take control but you know it's he doesn't really say it's it's weird it's not a good thing or a bad thing or it, it doesn't feel like it's um an attack on the reader but it's like maybe it's a it's a question to say he's just confessed all this stuff about himself and he's like well that's what i do you know i, I pour alcohol on the on the bird and, and drown it down so what do you do yeah yeah no i i love it and if if we backtrack up the poem a couple lines a few lines um i think we just this is gonna kind of change the way we view those last couple lines, but he's like he's talking about having this moment with his bird, right? His uh, bluebird. But then I put him back, but he's singing a little in there. I haven't quite let him die. So <clears throat> we sleep together. Oh, sorry. Before that, it's he says it's enough to make a man cry. Now the word enough, so it's sufficient, right? It's enough. It's sufficient. It is worthy of crying, but I don't, do you, right? So it's like he first acknowledges the power of this bird and the, it is enough to make somebody, a man, cry. And then, right, and then he puts him back. As he starts to feel those emotions, he puts him back. And the bird's still singing a little while, right? And then they go to sleep and wake up and start again. And he doesn't cry. Do you? So, you know, I think he does cry tremendously. 
I mean, monsoons of tears probably came from Bukowski, um, but he's hiding that truth. And he's telling us right now in this poem that he's dealing with this and he doesn't know how to tell us. He doesn't know how to talk to anyone about his true feelings, his true pain, his true happiness, or how, you know, his resistance to happiness, right? Um, and I think he's showing us actually in this poem. It's pretty amazing. So that just changed those last few lines for me, right? Because he actually says it's enough. It's sufficient. It's a sufficient amount of emotions to make a man cry. But then I put him away and I go to sleep and and I don't cry to you. Yeah, I like the word he uses, weep. You know, yeah, like when, no, when you're very... weeping, when you're weeping, it's like <laughs> next level crying, right? You're like sobbing and heaving and it's uncontrollable. You know, it's it's yeah, just... this is these aren't tears, these aren't silent tears, dude. These are yeah. whales almost, right? It's a it's a it's a powerful it's not quite, thing for a person. It's not quite a whale. It's not quite a whale, but it's definitely vocal. It's very vocal. Right? Yeah, the weeping. You know, and it, yeah, it's yeah, it makes you kind of sad for the guy, you know. Oh, without a doubt, man. I I definitely feel Bukowski's pain. Um, and going back to the whores and the bartenders, you know, if if he was unattractive and lacking lots of self confidence, and if he was didn't know how to build relationships, and like you said, he was lacking a mentor as a father, um, didn't have a stable. You know, didn't have stable parents didn't have a, a stable environment to grow up as a, as a kind of emotionally flourishing young person and you know that's sometimes that's all you've got is prostitutes and and alcohol and cigarettes and grocery trucks because you're out on your your own so man this i think the word i wouldn't i wouldn't have picked it up if i didn't um if you we didn't have this conversation but this undercurrent of rejection is very mm -hmm. Uh, is very evident because there's a separation between himself and society. And definitely that's a sep you know, separation of um, being accepted, being loved. So there's a sense of isolation and reject, rejectment, reject. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Right. So especially and also, from women. And, and, and there's rejection all over the place, right? Like not only is he being possibly like, again, this is opinion. This is my interpretation, but um, not just by like the people around him, right? His friends and family, but he's also rejecting himself. Mm. You know what I mean? And so it's like a whole other layer. I think, yeah, rejection is a major theme in this poem. Um, I, I'm pretty certain of that. Um, I believe so. But it's up. This is why poetry is so wonderful, everybody, is because, you know, at first sight, the enjambment's going to throw you off. It's going to make you feel uncomfortable. And it's actually supposed to. Um, but as you get better in jamming, you know there's a purpose behind it. But um, the more you read these things, the more you see and you start to understand. And it doesn't always have to be true, right? Um, most poets will not tell you the meaning of their poetry because uh, it's like magic. Once you tell people, they don't know. I mean, it's not important. It's not impressive, right? So they're very... I don't want to say secretive in a negative way, but they that's the the key is 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 because if you tell people what your poem is for sure, then it takes away their cre their own creative uh, con contribution to the poem because poems like th the reader interacts with the poem and actually fleshes the poem out, right? They 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 create the meaning, 
And this is why like literature is so powerful and poetry is so amazing because there's so many ways to look at. If we would have never thought about the, you know, the, the symbol of the bird of happiness, we might've missed that, right? We might've not really thought, how does that play? Why did he choose that bird? But you do have to ask these questions. And then it just becomes this magnificent journey of experience and discovery. Uh, so poetry is awesome. I recommend everybody reads it. Uh, but in a, another more important thing is that it is a form of self-expression and people really put themselves out there. They're not going to tell you exactly what they're saying, but they're going to give you enough. And if you care for them enough and you read their thing with a critical eye, um, I think that they tell you what it means. And But it's up to you. Again, it's your own interpretation. But this concept uh, if we can transition, I mean, I don't want to move away from the poem. Let, let me just uh, say something here that, that adds on to what you're saying is that with my students, I, we always talk about the speaker and what you touched on nicely and the speaker's perspective. Um, and then we try to get as, as deep as we can about, you know, what is a speaker's purpose uh, and, and who is the speaker? What details tell us information? What clues can we pick up about the speaker that tell us information about him or her or it? So that's important. And we kind of know that this speaker and this in the poem, obviously the speaker and the author isn't always the same. It can be a different speaker and a different author. Like an author, you know, is a 40-year-old man. He's writing from the perspective of being a, a three-year-old girl, right? But I think it's quite autobiographical in, in nature because, you know, he's, he, like you said, he's really, the speaker pretty confidently is Bukowski and he's talking about himself and his own life. And you're really getting a, a glimpse, as you said, into the this, into his inner turmoil, into that inner conflict, into some of his trauma, and you're sort of seeing who is the real Bukowski. And I think that's why a lot of people resonate with him because if they look, if you look, it kind of makes you look with inside of yourself. So the speaker, yeah. who is the speaker? What is their perspective? Um, what is their purpose? And even who is the audience, but I don't think the audience really matters too much here, but I think the speaker's voice matters a great deal in this poem. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Yeah, I think so. I mean, we have solid evidence that it is Bukowski telling his story. Um, uh, but it is important to what Stephen said. It's very important when you read poetry, not to always assume that this is the case because oftentimes it's not. Um, poets do use invoke the voices of others. I mean, for example, Bukowski, let's say, could have wrote a poem from his father's perspective while he was beating him with those razor scrops or whatever they're called. Um, right? He could he could totally uh, put himself into his father's shoes, like using terms like "you stupid boy" and "let me whip you" or whatever. It doesn't matter. He he. But in this case, we know for a fact. He is telling his story. How do we know? Well, he tells us through the alcoholism and through the book sales in Europe. You know, this is a, a line that what defines him to this day. Um, and I think that's really important. So he admits, this is me. Yeah, this is me. Uh, you know, my book sales. Are you going to blow it for me? My book sales in Europe? Um, but I do believe, Stephen, a little bit that he's he is he is thinking about his audience. I do. And I think that the reason why is because of him wearing this on his sleeve saying, this is me. Right. And he's trying to reach his own people, but 
his successes in Europe. So I don't know, that could have just been a coincidence, but I do believe that um, he is taking his audience who are the American people into consideration and uh, not the American people. It's actually all the people in the world. And I know he's grateful for his European people. He is, you know, they are immigrants or they were. Um, so he always has a connection with Europe. In fact, all of us do, you do, I do, right. We have our connections, our roots in Europe. Um, but our home is elsewhere, right? So um, we humans need to be accepted by their peers and their surrounding, the, their society around them. What's outside is more kind of, okay, you know, that's cool. You know, like these book sales in Europe are kind of like, you can see them as like likes, likes on your posts, right? From the people all over the world. None of them are really, really that important, are they? No, you know, so I think when we, he says these book sales in Europe, he's actually disappointed that it, they haven't taken off in the States. I mean, I, I would imagine that that hurts him pretty deeply because that's that's who he, you know, where he lives. Those are the people he's surrounds himself with. Yeah, maybe, maybe, um, maybe he doesn't care. You know, maybe that, you know, like as, as you know, well, he probably uh, doesn't, he's an alcoholic. So even if he did care, <laughs> he'd put that back in the cage and, and pour it. whiskey on it and inhale cigarettes, right? That'd be fine. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah. But man, uh, like the question is, do, do authors and artists write for themselves or they write for the, for their audience? And I've got a feeling that maybe I think Bukowski wrote more for himself than for the audience, but Maybe when he got when he got recognized and people started resonating with him more in Europe than in the United States, maybe he was that was unnerving or or again another sense of rejection re rejection that could have that's definitely possible. So I can't say that's not true. Um, but I I did read that his work took off a lot more in Europe, and then maybe that's just a that's just the nature of of Europe where maybe they were exposed to a bit more literature and people were a bit more willing and maybe people could relate to it. Um, maybe the, the great American dream was the, the ideas of the great American dream permeated a little bit deeper and people believed more in hope. Uh, and they, they weren't, they were a bit more resistant to these despondent type ideas. Yeah. I guess it's, it's, I guess we can speculate about how Bukowski felt, but it's, it is difficult to say. But I definitely feel the rejection and isolation. And again, there's something here about, you know, if you're if you're if you're a, if you're a, a man and it's prostitutes and alcohol, it's a very vacant type of existence, you know, especially as you get older, because, you know, I think what matters to most of us or to all of us basically is, is human connection. To all yeah. of us, you know, so there's there's something very vacant there about that, and 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 then experiencing that, you know, in your 40s or in your 50s, feeling, I think, feeling quite empty, um, that would hurt, you know. That's not yeah. something that you know you can look at and say, oh, that was cool, you know. He was sleeping with prostitutes at bars. What a really cool experience. As I know, that would be horrible. It would be like you are lonely at a bar, you're drinking by yourself, and um, you're paying for someone to sleep with you that doesn't probably probably doesn't want to sleep with you. And it would be, you know, a, a really, um, I don't know, it would feel like a very vacant, meaningless type of experience. Yeah, uh, absolutely, man. And, you know, as the old saying go, goes, I'm not, I might butcher this because I, I don't know verbatim, 
so let's paraphrase it, but it, if there's a hole the size of God in your heart, you're going to fill it any way you can if he's not there. And so this old saying is basically like, it doesn't even have to be God. Let's say that God's our family and our, and our social networks because we are social animals. And as you can see, even though he's isolating in many ways, uh, right? He's isolating the bird. He's, you know, even though he's isolating, he, he needs to fill that void. So how does he fill that void? Well, he goes to the shopping market, you know, he goes out to the bar, sits at the bar, spends too much money for his, you know, for his drinks, because, you know, if you're an alcoholic, you probably would rather spend less money, but he needs that social interaction to survive. And and then, then for the romantic, sensual interaction, he has the whore. So bartenders are known to be great listeners and they just listen to your problems. Uh, and I think that that is what he's telling us, right? Um, so there's a hole in his heart. And, and the bird is there. It's not dead yet, right? So there is spirit there. But the hole is so big that he still needs to fill the void. And I like what you said, the vacancy, the vacant aspect, because that's exactly what I'm talking about, the void in your heart. And then we start filling it with nonsense, you know? And that's you can see that happening in today's world, right? With all these crazy, like, I shouldn't say use the word crazy, but all these, like, people, like, all these new, like, uh, I don't want to call them cults because Vivek calls them cult cults, but I, I don't want to call them that. But these like obsessions with climate change, obsessions with transgenderism, you know, whatever. We're trying to fill a void that's empty. Right. And people don't know how to do it. And well, if that hole's big enough, it's going to be filled by something. It has to be filled or we do die. So I feel like, yeah, he's touching on that a little bit. Yeah, I think that's a problem in society at, at the moment where we've lost faith in a lot of um, a lot of the institutions. But yeah. going back to masculinity, you know, is that masculinity can be very destructive if you don't learn how to deal with it in a positive way. So, like, if you don't learn how to love and treat women and cherish women and nourish women and and uh, understand women and you date and talk to women like humans. Uh, then you know you're you're you you're not developing a really key part of your life, and that's going to cause probably lots of frustration, resentment, um, anger. You know, so that's just one aspect. And then you, depression, you, you, man. Depression, yeah. Well said. And then so then you're you're creating this isolation, and you're 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 depriving yourself unknowingly or unwillingly of meaningful uh, meaningful relationships, intimate relationships, and not just sexually but you know emotionally and being vulnerable uh, and being able to explore and being able to share those dark parts of who you are i think i don't think there's anything better than connecting with a woman and then her you being able to like if we if we use the metaphor that we are poems ourselves as humans and there's this unraveling and discovery of two people coming together and the only way to do that is through vulnerability the only way yeah. to do that is through being um, authenticity. And then when you these two souls connect and we see the flaws in each other and then we can love each other. And if if you don't know how to do that and you've never been taught how to do that, I feel as a man uh, that you miss out on such an important part of life, which is to love, 
to to have a, a, mean, a really deep, intimate, meaningful, romantic relationship. I don't know. Yeah. And does that make sense? I guess, or like, is that does that seem like that could be the the case in maybe this arrested development due to that trauma? Oh yeah, yeah, for sure, man. I believe that. Um, and to go more general, uh, yeah, like boys deal with this um, a lot, right? Like you were saying, if if masculinity isn't um, constructed or developed Channeled. in the right way. Yeah, it could be very dangerous, actually. It can it, it can be, you know, bad for everyone, um, right? And, and, and you were saying something about the sense of love, the need of love. Um, you know, in the book of the Cain, of, uh, in the Bible, in Genesis, in the story of Cain and Abel, right? You have Cain and Abel really want to be loved by God. So they, they, they bring um, their sacrifices, right? They're, they're the, 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 the fruit, the, the, they bring vegetables and meat to God. The sacrifices, you know, it's a metaphor. Um, and they both bring. And God ch- uh, likes, unfortunately, God kind of praises at, um, sorry, Abel's, Abel's sacrifice over Cain's. And the problem with Cain is that I think God is trying to teach him a lesson, right? Um, Like in the story, basically, Abel tends to his crop. He goes when um, during the sacrifice, he picks the best, the top produce, right? The, 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 The ones without blemish, the most beautiful ones and his favorite, most healthy lamb. But Cain um, brings kind of like secondary items, not so good because he wants to keep uh, the right. His sacrifice to God is the ones with blemish, the ones that are problem. And so God says, hey, well, you know, you should. And anyways, he calls him out. But instead of Cain learning from this experience, okay, God just wants me to really give praise, whatever the story means, or to, you know, give proper sacrifice, proper sacrifice. Um, and that's all. Instead, what happens? Well, he he d- is not reflective. He does not try to learn, and he's not communicative with God or with his brother. And he ends up killing his brother out of jealousy, right? And that's the violence. Like if if you're not brought up, um, if you're if masculinity isn't nurtured in in, in a decent way, um, I think there are several ways they can affect young men and boys um one is they close themselves off they become dishonest with themselves they're unwilling to show they're they're scared to be like to be figured out right like maybe bukowski and they become depressed but what's another thing that could happen well the rejection's too much and they just snap right and and then this is where masculinity becomes toxic like in kane's case kane killed his own brother the, the the toxicity of his rejection of this ex- like to learn from this experience leads him to kill his brother so i think that in the bible they're showing us the power of this if it's i mean we're talking killing family so this is a really big deal and not only killing family killing the one that god cherished so this is like a, a pretty dark side of masculinity but that's probably only because he was never taught you know, how to feel his emotions and communicate how he's feeling, um, right? Um, I'm not sure. 
But uh, yeah, I, I think I, when, when I read that part from the Bible, I think I remember seeing that Abel had like love in his heart, and then Cain didn't. Cain was he had, you know, he he was not operating from this place of being genuine, and I think that was one of the main differences as well, in the sense of Abel was was he was much more pure and he was much more authentic, and Cain wasn't, and Cain had that kind of I don't know whether resentment or maybe. He wasn't operating from an open heart. And then, and because of that rejection from people that we want love, whether it's God or anyone else, it can easily manifest into, into, um, into resentment and into anger and into violence. I think that's a fair point. And it's like you said, and there's a, a million ways that that can, uh, that can manifest within, within ourselves and society. And you end up either, like you said, killing someone or ending, end up in jail because, um, you can't operate out of a space of of purpose and love and and like hope. Yeah, and an open heart. So relationships with the opposite sex are a, a big part of that. You know, being able to operate from a, an open heart, being genuine, uh, being able to be aware, you know, how you feel and being able to deal with, like you said, if there's a conflict, being able to deal with that and and move through those negative emotions instead of uh constantly you know building up resentment in your heart which is which is obviously really negative and, and it's going to create problems and then what do you what that's, is a, it? that's a red bird that's a yeah. keeping a red bird in your heart <laughs> yeah and then then the problem is as well like with women and then they're not seen as you don't have a heart-to-heart connection, and then they're objectified sexually. So you only see women as uh, sexual objects of pleasure, and then yeah. you don't you don't know how to connect with someone on a heart one-on-one basis and and open up your heart. And I think that's a real loss. I don't know as a man, that's a that's a huge loss, you know. And so there's something to be said about being broken and staying broken. You know, like, what are you? Are you uh, an angry teenager in your 50s? Is that what happens? I think so. I think that, well, yeah, I think so. Because, again, like, you're you're unable to solve the problem if you're not willing to communicate it, right? If you keep suppressing it, you're not sharing it. So you're not taking it out of the darkness and putting it under the spotlight to examine and then to to discover and examine and maybe to tweak and dismantle if you must. But uh, yeah, if you keep it in there, it gets no light. So that means you're not seeing anything. Um, you're not learning anything. And I do believe, yes, um, especially when it's fueled by drugs and alcohol, um, I would say 100%. If you're an alcoholic or if you're a drug addict, um, you know, you are not emotionally developed. You're just, you have never learned those skills that you're supposed to. Um, Yeah, for sure. Right. And like in Bukowski's poem, uh, he kind of shows that he, he explains that he's suppressing it. Like they don't know, they don't know what he's going through. They can't see it because he doesn't wear it on his sleeve. So everything looks okay from the outside, but on the inside, it's bad. Um, (laughs) There's this book uh, that I just really quick wanted to say uh, they've done a lot of science as two doctors studying behavioral science, um, uh, Dr. Dan Kindlin and Michael Thompson. 
And there's this one passage real quick that emotional isolation has become virtually a reflex by the time a boy reaches adolescence. He has learned to deny his emotional neediness and routinely disguises his feelings as Bukowski did. Intimidated by the constant threat of humiliation, just like Cain, right? He's humiliated because God didn't give him, show as much happiness about his sacrifice. Um, <laughs> Humiliation presented by culture of cruelty and the ensuing erosion of trust. So boys strike a psychological bargain, a bad one, namely, that they'd rather hide out than take any more hits. The more pressure a boy feels, the more deeply he withdraws. So these guys have written a book. Um, and actually, that's kind of what inspired my little talk about Cain. Um, and it's called Raising Cain. Uh, protecting the emotional lives of boys by Dan Kinlan and Michael Thompson. So if anybody, you know, this is what it looks like. Um, and it's actually, you know, it won a lot of awards and it says anyone raising children, teaching children, or just anyone in general should read this book to understand more about what boys are, 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 are struggling with, especially with the rise of violence that we see, you know what I mean? Like this is something that I think needs to be taken care of or looked at more deeply. But anyways. Yeah. And especially with the, the blurring of gender roles too. And when, you know, young boys not knowing how to be men and what's appropriate and, and then where, what their place is and, and how to express that masculinity in, in positive ways. It's, I think it's really confusing for young men right now. And, and as you said, but a lot of it, the, the, the beginning is if they're not, if they're growing up in a space where they're not allowed or they're not, taught how to deal with emotions then it's it's going to create lots of problems because there's a in like a a lack of congruency between what you feel and then how you're acting and what's what's acceptable what's not acceptable and then you're kind of becoming becoming two people simul simultaneously but i don't think there's anything worse than being a 15 year old adolescent when you're 50 you know, having yeah. resentment and, and not being emotionally developed. It's, a, it's an arrested development and it's resentful and it's kind of, it's just really sad. So, you know, baby Bukowski expressed his ideas through poetry as a way of catharsisism, but I think he found love at the end. I think he married some girl and, you know, he, he, uh, he found some kind of love and happiness at the end, which was, which is nice to see. Yeah, man. Absolutely. Um, you know, and you were talking about the, that separation. There's like, you kind of become two different people, right? You, be, you, um, you kind of have like two sides to yourself, essentially. Um, the, the real, the feelings inside, and then how you show yourself, your, your face, right? What you show the world. And then, then if that comes into conflict, that's where the anxiety builds. And then the anxiety leads to suppression, further suppression through oftentimes the use of drugs and alcohol because that anxiety becomes so tense to have these two different forces, these two different parts of yourself that you, I mean, could you imagine trying to hide yourself all the time? Your true self that would like, you're not being free. You're not allowing yourself to express yourself. And so I think that would create an inner sadness, even if you can like play your way around it. I think the, the, the a natural anxiety will develop. And if that's not cared for, it could turn to depression and lead to drug addiction and alcohol. And then, like you said, a 15 year old trapped in a 50 year old's body. Yeah. You that's know? very unfortunate. And how it's exhausting, people. how exhausting is that being two different people and not feeling authentic or not, 
you know, always thinking about how you're going to react instead of being able to just, like you said, be free emotionally. You know, it's tough. I think a lot of people, you can probably relate to that because up until now, like it's only really recently that there's a lot more tools for young people, men and women to be able to express themselves and deal with a bit of trauma because before it was kind of like, oh, that's just how we grew up, you know? And I think that's, um, that's really dangerous. It's really uh, negating the individual's uh, like gravity of experience. So yeah, I think it's, it's powerful as, but I've got to wrap this up. My friend, that was, um, you know, that was a great little conversation about Bukowski and, and Bluebird. I think I can relate to it. I think we all can, I can relate to it. I just, I say that and think it's a powerful poem that um, really addresses some of that pain and suffering that we all might feel and, and thinking about how do we self-medicate and how honest are we about it? You know, how honest are we about, about that pain and suffering and, and how do we deal with it? And is it dealt yeah. in a positive way or a negative way? Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, it doesn't always lead to drugs and alcohol. Sometimes it's workaholism, right? Like workaholics and, uh, but they're never truly happy, you know? And I think one of the reasons, um, that, you know, boys, I think that the boys suicide rates are way higher than females. I think it has something to do with this suppression of feelings and maybe not being accepted, um, or feeling, not feeling accepted. But anyways, man, yeah, Charles Bukowski, great, great poem, great poet. I, I'm going to read more of his stuff. Um, and yeah, I just want to give a shout out to Bukowski. It's kind of sad that he had to go through such a tough time. But for, you know, I think what we've learned today is that it's important to address that inner bird, that that bird that wants to be free. That you, And I think that represents emotion. So you don't have to be in, you know, wear your emotions on your sleeve, but you definitely need to talk about them with someone. You got to find someone safe, uh, someone that you trust that you can kind of open up to. Um, and I think that that is kind of one of the cures for this kind of sadness, this isolation that a lot of boys are going through like Bukowski. Um, his story is really tough though, man. That story is, that's not just a normal story. I mean, the beating from his dad is quite tragic. But all right, man. Well, thank you. Good stuff, man. Thanks yeah, my pleasure, man. And thanks for, for tuning in for the chat. Uh, I look forward to doing it again. All right, brother. See you next time. As yours.